Hi everyone, I'm Nick Ranger and this is SEO in 2023 with Majestic with David Bain and I'm so happy to be here. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, uh, what is your number one SEO tip for 2023? My number one tip is don't forget the basics. And I can't believe that I'm going back here, but I think it's so important because when we think about the future, we think about Google, we think about personalization, we think about emerging media types coming in, being of, of, its, of its own reckoning force. And we're thinking, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to create all this wonderful content. I'm going to enrich everything. But the thing that I'm seeing is that we, I, I'm always seeing these cardinal sins that really, <laughs> really need to be gone back and addressed. I'm talking about crawlability, rendering, indexability, ranking, conversions. The five cardinal sins of SEO, yes. Okay. The the five fundamental things <laughs> of SEO. These things are so important to think about because when you think about crawlability, you think like, how is a search engine crawling through my site, understanding the structure of my site to present the information the best that I can so that it will then render that content, index those pages, rank for things that I want it to rank for and therefore have conversions that ultimately end to the bottom line. Think about that as your new mentality around this. And I, I think it's so important to go back to this because let's be real, I've just started in a new job. So I'm going back to thinking like, okay, I don't have like my, my clients that I've been working with for, for a couple of years now. Mm. And I'm, I'm entering into a, a you know, a, into a new agreement. Um, what is the most important thing? Well, you know, let's just go through and just check all the, the, the main things here. So I'm sure that many SEOs, Nick, uh, will be in a similar situation to you in that um, maybe they're starting a new job, maybe they're starting in a house, maybe they're starting for an agency. So it would be great to get your perspective on what in these five areas you first focus on to try and make the biggest initial difference with your client. Uh, so maybe starting off with crawling. Uh, so when you conduct that initial crawl, what are some of the initial things that you're focusing in on? Well, the first thing um, I'm talking about is like, you know, just even like open up search console have a look at the pages folder and see what is index and what is not index now google's very good at telling you from your pages not in the index what that is going to be attributed to has it been crawled and and not indexed has it been discovered and not indexed are there a ton of 404s in there like just even going through and first checking there and seeing what's in there will kind of give you a bit of a sense of other things like hints that might be going on with your site. Um, a lot of the time I'll see sitemaps either with errors or completely incomplete or they will be in there not in an index file. So it's trying to access many different points mm. and, it will, and it will try and like read it from like a top down sort of approach. So again, get your get, you know, get your sitemaps actually working. Think about the internal link structure. Now, internal links are so important because they will show the authority around from different pages and pointing to the things that you want people to find. Search engines understand this, and this is how the crawl works 
it will follow these internal links and it will find these pages. Don't cut off the crawl path. <laughs> if you've got like you know paginated pages or if you've got like a ton of different pages and you're cutting off or no indexing or redirecting out the the subfolder page that can actually really hurt the the crawl path it can create pages that are now orphans because it's very difficult now for search engines to actually find that through the internal links do you have breadcrumb schema breadcrumbs are really really useful to bracket your whole structure and give it some understanding of what page comes after the next page. I think since Google did away with rel next, rel prev, I've seen a lot of um, some really, really interesting wild, wild west things happen with just um, some interesting integrations with like the Robusto TXT or yeah, just people just like putting all kinds of interesting things in there. So go back and, and just Make sure that that is, is tackled as your first protocol because there is nothing more annoying than focusing maybe like on a, an elaborate content strategy and then finding out that most of these pages are not added to the index. And I'm working with a client right now that, that is facing that issue. So that kind of takes us up to rendering, the, the, the way that, um, that, that Google retrieves your pages, runs, runs your code. So um, I guess what are the common issues that you're seeing with that with um, clients initially with specifically with the rendering yes yeah yeah i mean that that was your second part wasn't it in your in your five key uh, elements in your process well um i've i mean i've got a whole chapter on rendering <laughs> this this is going to go back to <laughs> how, how about like... a whole two minutes on it <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> when it comes to rendering do you want to be aware of um, what is rendered and what is not rendered. So what um, is potentially served by client side and what has been served by server side. Now, what I mean by that is, is there JavaScript that is influencing the style, the contents, maybe even the internal links? Like what has been served here that you can be able to see? Like there, are, there's these are the places that could go wrong. So consider from Google's boss perspective, did any of these resources show an error when, when requested? Now, the thing that I like to go in and, and test with a page to check this is like, I'll do a right click, I'll go down to my in, to my inspect. Um, it will open up dev tools. I'll go to sources and then I'll open up the, the bottom tab in there with network conditions or even in the coverage tab. Um, and I want to see what is essentially in there that could be render blocking. And I think understanding that is a good place um, to start because render blocking resources, they're sort of like those static files, like your um, your HTML, your CSS, your JavaScript, fonts, um, things that are vital um, to the actual render of the page. So usually what we'll see a lot of the time when people are going through and and checking this is, okay, um, like these are all the resources that Google has, that, that is found to be critical. You have to render this, you have to load all of this file to be able to display the page. So these are the things that they'll be like, oh, these are critical, critical files for us to be processed. So it puts everything else on hold. And this is, this is why, um, 
you know, when we're, when we're looking for this, one of the easy things to find are these render blocking resources that maybe we need to prioritize. On the other hand, like non-render blocking resources don't necessarily postpone the rendering of the page. Um, the browser can safely like download them in the backgrounds um, after the initial page render. But I think like not all resources that the browser deems um, to be render blocking are essential for at least the first paint. So it really depends on the original characteristics of the page. So like why why should we look at um, render blocking resources? <laughs> Um, I think like shortening the critical rendering path and re reducing the page load time is a really, really good thing for us to, to really focus on when we, when we think about just how a page loads. And I'm going to be a little bit more specific about that because I think this is like something that a lot of people know to be true, but a lot of people may not maybe give like little screenshots from Lighthouse and they'll give generic advice about, but I think by actually like looking at these resources and understanding are these critical or are they, or should they be non-critical and making them non-render blocking resources and by maybe like deferring like how they download. So like decreasing the total number of those resources using like bundling, using like maybe fewer HTTP requests, reducing the size of these resources, maybe by like using minification um, so that the page is like fewer bytes to load up these things. So I think that um, perhaps we can park render blocking uh, for a moment and actually say we need to discuss this for an hour in some majestic webinar at some point in the future hopefully and dive into yeah. this in, in greater depth <laughs> and actually say the next stage after that for Google is indexing or it may not be indexing depending on what Google finds. So what are some common issues, some com common reasons why Google may not choose choose not to index something? Oh, there's so many reasons, David. <laughs> <laughs> Please, oh. pick one or two. <laughs> so a lot of the time in Search Console, I, I, again, is a really, really great way to, to test this. There will be a page that will say like, okay, this page is not being indexed. And a lot of the, the common denominator issues that I see is like that it's not added to a sitemap. So a sitemap is a wonderful directory to say like, these are all the pages that I want to have indexed. This is like the directory of you know, how we want to display and show information to the end user. A lot of the time, like if something isn't indexed, there aren't a, a ton of internal links on there. They're not added to the sitemap. Maybe there um, isn't enough internal links. Maybe there is no breadcrumb schema. Maybe there's nothing really to say like, oh, this page is super important for us. Like we want you to actually put it there in the index to compete for branded and non-branded terms. So starting from, again, going back to those basics, this is why it's important to, to, to look into this. Now, in cases where we, you're like, we've done all the right things, we've got it in the sitemap, we've got the internal links, we've got the breadcrumbs, we've got really good, rich content on there, we've optimized this the best that we can, but it's still not added to the index. Google pays attention to the link graph, the social graph, and the knowledge graph. And having a, like, a little bit of an idea about that I think from the testing that we've used is like, okay, like if you're putting out pages, you're putting out content, and you're not really seeing them be indexed. Well, is that because there's greater issues? Again, go back to the search console, to the, the pages tab, 
to the index on the index list and go through and, and get a sense of what's happening with the way that your your site has been perceived. Maybe go into the settings, go into the crawl, look at the crawl rate, look at what um how like search like how search engines are even seeing you. Do you have like a ton of four or fours in there? We had a I had an old client that we went through and I just I just was looking through and settings into the crawl and looked in there and saw like eighty four percent of everything that Google crawled was actually a four or four, which was crazy. <laughs> and this is like a massive multi-million dollar site. So it was only really getting a fraction of attention. So going in there, like looking at that, it was like, oh, this is actually from um, an old migration that went horribly wrong. And it's still picking up a ton of different things because lo and behold, um, they still had a staging site with all of their old and new ideas still indexed. And that was something that we only discovered through doing that, which is why I said, go back to Search Console, look through these things, you will find these gems. And it takes time, but follow the thread and and get a get a flavor of of how your these sites are, are actually being perceived. So essentially, if you're an SEO that's working for a big site that's got um, a lot of history behind it, stop looking for new clever wins and focus on these key areas, and that's where you're going to get your your biggest improvements. Well, I think so. Sorry, go, going back to that point, if if you've done all the right things and you're still not getting your your pages into the index, the social graph is something that I think is still like there's not a lot of information about it, but from my understanding, if we put blogs, if we put new content and we will use like the, the company accounts to tweet this out, we'll use like their social proof to uh, create conversations around that. You know, these things aren't necessarily, like it, it will create some interest and it will create some organic flow through to these pages. And I've seen where we've, not just written up great pieces, but also had like full social campaigns around this. And these pages get added to the index really fast. <laughs> so I just go back to like, well, okay, like if the link graph is something that that Google has used from the from the very start, the, the very foundation, the social graph and the and the knowledge graph are you know starting to carve out and be refined for the future and has only been optimized even more or provides more, you wish to pay attention to these things. So Google indexing takes us on to them making a decision as to where they want to rank that page for a given search term. And that takes us up to your last point, which is conversion. Now, what kind of impact then does conversion have on SEO? Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> SEO is search engine optimization, and it is the stream of marketing that influences search visibility, but for an end goal. And I think when we leave out conversion from the conversation, we're not really heroing that goal. So some of the things that I like to, to do now is to focus on having survey data, having heat maps, looking at the way that um, people are using the site, clicking through the site, having an understanding of these pages versus their competitor pages. What has been expected? When, when looking at um, the UX of a page, is 
the call to action is the thing that people wanting to do in the above fold is is that a useful um, meaningful thing for for people to see when we're testing these key terms that they're wanting to rank for are they of the right intents what has been displayed about that google is a wonderful teacher to show us what it expects to see from a result around that so i'll look at um for a keyword i'll look at the the web tab i'll look at the image tab i'll look at the shopping tab and, and say like, okay, like if we're saying like about like custom sports jerseys or something like that, maybe like they'll want to show like, oh, we've got women's varieties, we've got men's varieties, we've got, um, we've got sleeveless, we've got long sleeve, we've got different types of collars, we've got all these different variations. Well, this is kind of what it's wanting to represent on, on a page for that query all of these different variations of things. So maybe what we need to emulate in the UX is an ability for people to be able to click through and find things or be able to find this um, and coalesce all of that content onto this page in a meaningful way. So it's really, really interesting to, to do these tests of what Google has found um, to be meaningful versus what has been displayed for the clients versus all their competitors and then that kind of creates this benchmark. So these things, like, oh, this is why A-B testing is such a useful tool to be able to confirm things for us. Has this change been, has has it influenced the outcome in a positive result? Has it influenced it in a negative result? Because each of these things is an, in, an important step in, in understanding what is the flavor, like what is actually the um, impetus for the inspiration behind a click, like, garnering attention and when we've done this again like we did this really recently with a client where after we fixed a lot of their technical issues and they were actually getting some visibility in some countries that they'd never previously had issues finding traction in it was like okay so the way that you've built out the site is a mirror image of all the other countries that you've been building out let's start to work through one by one and let's actually have an understanding of the way that people are searching we ran surveys in these countries and found that there was colloquialism, I can never say this word properly, uh, <laughs> of how people are, are searching specifically for things. And this could even be, like these insights were, were so valuable because it went beyond the keyword research. And it, it found things that um, once again, once we like, tested this um, within the, the, the title contents, the, the heading contents, um, and sometimes in the body contents, there was a lot more of an understanding from the local population about what that page was there to represent for them. And we saw an uptick in Search Console um, of clicks specifically going through and finding these key terms because the, the page had good traction, it was getting indexed, and now Google was testing it for different key terms that we wanted to see whether it would find this or not. And we were lucky it did. <laughs> but then the next the next hurdle was like, okay, like for this page, it's um, got a nice increase in impressions and it's got a nice increase in clicks, but there's nothing generating from this page. So again, using a little bit of like our, our own thinking testing this with heat map data is this page actually getting um the the appropriate amount of attention in the places that we're wanting to we realize that from the menu bar no one was understanding that there was a two type menu bar 
no one was clicking through and, and selecting things. The filter tab was completely unused because it was too, too basic. And when testing the scroll depth of this, again, people would only maybe go to about 50%, never 100%, but we actually found that all their main product lines were about 75% down <laughs> down underneath all the all this information all this you know really nice like boilerplate template content uh like you know images and icons and all this other noise no one was actually converting on the products that they were wanting to show to people so we're like okay well based on all this information let's redesign the ux nick everything you're sharing i want to dive deeper i want to have a five-hour conversation about but um i think that's probably out um, with the remit of um, the format that we're trying to produce here. But um, I look forward to continuing this particular conversation and at other times. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like I had a, I had a whole thing that I was going to talk about like with semantic SEO because it's also another passion of exactly. mine. Exactly. Exactly. That's, no, that's another one. But that's another hour long conversation. I've I'm just sure been well. like, I've just... But, like just the, the the like reiterating the the foundations and the basics and just like well absolutely uh, key but to be honest yeah. with you even in these five elements um there are so many different um parts to um each aspect of what you're trying to explain and uh, different examples that you can share as well uh, we could almost just dive into a simple one here as well but let me just ask you one more question or say that you know you've certainly shared what SEO should be focusing on in 2023. So now let's just talk a little bit about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive, something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2023? Focus on keywords. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think search is changing. And I think oh, this goes back into the semantic thing because it's about topics. It's about positioning yourself now as um, either the expert or the qualified, well-researched commentator of something. Thinking about wanting to really qualify things for people, I think is only going to be more focused on and more rewarded, particularly as we're seeing like the helpful content update come out. We're, we've, we've had so much collateral and thinking from 2017, 2018 um, with Google EAT. My thinking is that this is only going to be progressed as Google is uh, is trying to personalize search even more, is wanting to create whole new um, ways to understand um, media and is wanting to be able to focus on these attributes, these entity types, organize them through social media, look at um, the types of um, interactive media and structure this in a way that is completely personalized for the user. So if we can, as as, as marketers, as we can, as, as business you know, marketing teams think now like like as a brand, we are representative of some form of expertise or some form of responsibility to create, curate and provide more rich information to people. Let's start from this mentality. Let's start from this thinking. Nick, 
Ranger is a senior technical SEO at Dejan Marketing, and you can find her over at DejanMarketing.com. Nick, thank you so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thank you, David. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at SEOin2023.com. 